Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Great to have you along. I need 90 minutes if you can give it to me. We'll go around the world, talk with our broadcast partners wherever we can find them, and they will give us their understanding of current events as these events are unfolding really right now in this world, basically for the purpose of setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. A bit later on in the broadcast, in the second half hour, Winky Madad will join us. He is in Israel, and we're going to be talking about a water project bringing desalinated water from the Mediterranean to the Gihon River, which according to the book of Genesis chapter 2, is that river which was in the Garden of Eden, in other words, the city of Jerusalem, where it is still today, That's going to be a very, very interesting story, so be sure to stay tuned to that. Well, right now we're going to go to our broadcast partner who covers geopolitical events, Ken Timmerman. Now, I said we'll find him wherever they are. We find Ken in another airport. You may hear some noise in the background. I don't think you'll hear it very, very easily. Uh, But we will hear the conversation from Ken Timmerman about events that are unfolding I want his analysis of. And Ken, let me begin with this. President Joe Biden has been inaugurated. He has announced his first visit will be to the United Kingdom. And the headline says to go there and plot the destiny of the world with Boris Johnson. I don't understand that phrase, the destiny of the world, that he's talking about. Can you explain it? Uh, I can, Jimmy, and it shows you the arrogance of globalists like Joe Biden or Boris Johnson, who believe that they can control the destiny of the world. It's a farce. Uh, It is pathetic on its face. Instead of a Make America First or Put America First policy, we have a Put America Last policy coming into force with uh, President Biden. And that's what he's going to go decide uh, with Boris Johnson. How can America make compromises, retreat from its own self-interest to better serve a globalist agenda? Now, there's going to be a a big hiccup on this trip, and that is that Boris Johnson, of course, was elected as prime minister because he supported Brexit. And so uh, Biden is going to have to uh, dampen down his criticism of Brexit, which was pretty open when the whole debate was taking place. That will be interesting to see how that plays out. But otherwise, I think it just shows you the arrogance of these globalists. And these globalists are going to do what they want to do, whether we have any naysay about it or not. And we'll keep on top of that story. Well, keeping on the story of Joe Biden, what he's going to do, he's promised that he will reinstitute or renew the Obama nuclear plan with Iran. The Israelis are saying if that does happen, nothing else to speak about, there will be a clash over Iran. That is probably absolute, too, as well, is it not, Ken? I think so, Jimmy. I think it's pretty clear. Biden has made it crystal clear during the campaign that he will reenter the Iran nuclear deal. He says that the United States is willing to make concessions to Iran. The Iranians now are demanding that we pay them reparations. $138 billion for the sanctions put in place over the past couple of years for their violations of the nuclear deal. I I think this is going to be, you know, ironic to watch it play out because Biden and his national security team, all of whom were involved, 
by the way, Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, and Jake Sullivan, who's the National Security Advisor, all of them were involved in negotiating the deal early on. Also involved was the incoming CIA director, Bill Burns, who was a State Department official who handled the back-channel negotiations in 2013 that led up to the nuclear deal. The Iranians have made it pretty clear they are not going to back off from enriching uranium. Recently, the head of their program, Salehi, said that they're enriching essentially a half a kilogram per day, up to about 20%. They need, you know, maybe 25 kilograms to, uh, even at 20%, to make a weapon. So they are quickly on the way to having a nuclear weapons capability, and President Biden is just looking at diplomacy. And let me remind everybody that since President Joe Biden is now at the helm of the administration there in Washington, D.C., he's going to be in the news a lot more than he was prior to that inauguration the other day. So let me tell you what you were speaking about the Iranians. The mullahs there say they want more concessions from Biden. Boy, that does not sound good, does it? Well, that's right. Uh, as I mentioned, they're asking for $138 billion in compensation for the damage that they uh, incurred during the sanctions period. And I wouldn't be surprised if Biden offered them that. And it would be U.S. taxpayer money. I think it would be an utter disgrace, uh, but that is what's on the table. They're asking for uh, a huge amount of compensation. And by the way, this, this is taking place, Jimmy, as the Iranian government has been found guilty in U.S. courts for terrorist acts that have, that have killed Thousands of Americans, including the 9-11 attacks, the Iranian regime has been found complicit with al-Qaeda of the 9-11 attacks, and they are liable for over $40 billion in damages. I bet you that's going to be on the table as well, to get those damages waived. Just one more item about Biden and what he's going to be doing before we get to other international geopolitical news with Ken Timmerman. Syria has sent their first message to Joe Biden. And it said, withdraw the troops and stop stealing oil. Explain that, will you? (laughs) Well, what they're referring to by stealing oil is the fact that the United States has been guarding with military troops the Syrian oil and gas fields in that northeastern part of Syria where the Kurds still remain, right? The Kurdish militias remain. And they've been turning over the proceeds to the Kurds. So the Syrians are saying, look, uh, we have two American citizens hostage. We're holding them hostage. We might be willing to give them back to you, but only if you pull out U.S. troops and only if you turn those oil and gas fields back over to us. That's the deal that the Syrians have put out on the table. Again, this may be something that Biden finds acceptable. I've uh, seen some photographs of what's been going on in Iran near the Persian Gulf. Commandos and paratroopers, paratroopers in the air as the Iranian army has launched a massive drill near that mouth of the Persian Gulf. Is that trying to make a statement, Ken? I think it is, Jimmy. Those military exercises by the Iranian Islamic Revolutionary Guards Corps and the missile attacks uh, that they demonstrated, uh, a pretty extraordinary capability launching a ground-based missile 1,800 kilometers against a naval target. Now, this was a stationary naval target. It's not easy to hit a moving target. But, you know, the Chinese have developed a technology where they have an airborne tracking system They have delivered that system to the Iranians, so it could have been that system they were testing, and it was specifically designed to take out a U.S. aircraft carrier. Uh, So uh, this is clearly a uh, warning that the Iranians are sending to Joe Biden. I believe that 
Iran, China, and North Korea together will uh, pose dramatic security challenges to the incoming Biden administration over the coming weeks, at most the coming months. We do know that Russia has a very important presence in the Middle East, particularly there in Syria, and with military personnel, military facilities, and a lot of weaponry. I'm wondering what it means when Russia tells Israel, stop bombing Iran targets in Syria, and then Russia says, we'll take care of it for you. What is that all about? Well, this is, a, I think, a, a typical Russian ploy. They're saying to the Israelis, if you see a threat from Iran in Syria, tell us about it. Just give us the information, and we'll take care of it one way or another. I, I think this is just a ploy by the Russians. They've used this for decades. I can re- recall them using this in the mid-1990s with uh, Gore and Chernomirdin. They had a commission on Russian missile sales to Iran, and Chernomirdin was constantly asking uh, Al Gore, of the vice president at the time, give me your information and we'll take care of those companies. So we turned over information, and then they just changed the names of the companies and kept on sending the technology to, to Iran. So I suspect that's what they're offering to the Israelis. And I can tell you, Benjamin Netanyahu is not stupid. He understands this. He knows it's, a tr- it's just a ploy. It's not sincere. And uh, I don't think that's going to have any impact on Israel's actions against Iranian targets in Syria. Well, I would agree with you because the Israelis are going to protect themselves no matter what. Whoever tells them to do something that would stop them from protecting the people of Israel, they will not comply with. One final thought I want to ask you about, and I know you've dealt with this issue in writing and even visiting the areas where it's taking place. It's a great global catastrophe we're reading about And I can't believe this number. 340 million Christians have been persecuted around the world, many of them killed. Boy, this is something that we need to make known to the world and deal with it, don't we? Uh, Absolutely. And this is an annual report that the organization Open Doors does about persecution of Christians. And they rank countries who are the worst around the world in terms of persecution. Number one on the list is North Korea. It is deadly to be caught as a Christian or uh, to be practicing your faith as a Christian in North Korea, literally deadly to you and your family. After that comes countries such as Iran, Libya, Syria, uh, and others in the Middle East. Nigeria is a country where the most Christians are killed every year by Muslim fundamentalists. And that's really what this is about. With the exception of North Korea and China, most of the murders of Christians are carried out by Muslim extremists, who are uh, enforcing Sharia law, and Sharia law says to Christians, you have basically two choices. You can convert to Islam, or we will kill you. And that's what we're seeing play out in many of these countries. It's a tragedy, but I really encourage listeners to look at the Open Doors website. They can find this worldwide persecution report for this year. It's a very disturbing reading. Yes, I would make that same recommendation as well. Ken Timmerman, the man who covers geopolitical events around the world for us. Ken, we appreciate it so much. You give us details that maybe the main media is not presenting to the world. So thank you and have a safe flight. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks so much, Jimmy. Look forward to it. God bless. We're going to take a break. When we come back, David Dolan has his Middle East News update. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today.
Prophecy Today is heard all across the USA on the Prophecy Today radio network, but also it is heard around the world through our website at prophecytoday.com. And Jay, there are many other features on our prophecytoday.com website, like daily news updated out of the Middle East as it pertains to what's happening prophetically. Special reports can be heard right on our website at prophecytoday.com. We have Prophecy Q&A available for you. Questions asked in the past can be answered on the website if you just check it out and go to that particular spot. Prophecy Quiz is available, and parts of our Prophecy Today program, if you should miss any part of it, will be heard the next week right here at prophecytoday.com. And don't forget, you can even email your questions to us for our live radio broadcast. Just go to our website at prophecytoday.com. You'll be amazed, you'll be surprised at what you'll find on our website. Be sure to visit us at prophecytoday.com on the World Wide Web. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible prophecy student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on bookstore or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Joining me, my broadcast partners from around the world, helping us to look at current events in light of biblical prophecy. That's the theme over the top of my website, prophecytoday.com. And this is an endeavor to do exactly that here on this national radio program, and of course, it's international as well. It's live streaming on the internet. Go to the website, prophecytoday.com. There you can hook up with the live streaming edition of Prophecy Today. So glad you could join us. Well, we promised Dave Dolan would come with his Middle East News update. He's here. And David, let me question you about what Joe Biden is thinking about doing, he is thinking and considering that he may adopt the Obama plan, the nuclear plan with Iran. Israeli leaders, as I understand it, are saying, well, if that is the case, nothing else to talk about. So Israel is going to gear up for a clash on Iran. How can you fill in the details for us? Well, yes, Jimmy, we have several of the appointees for the Obama cabinet or for deputy positions, asked questions during the week by various senators concerning the Iran nuclear deal. And, of course, the most prominent is the new Secretary of State, presumably Tony Blinken. He hasn't been approved yet. And he's Jewish, by the way, in background, but he's known to be a European-oriented guy, uh, you know, uh, sort of a globalist and that sort of thing. He's fluent in French as well as English. But he stated, and the others did as well, that 
there is indeed a desire to get back into the nuclear deal, but he emphasized it would be renegotiated, that Iran would have to be in total compliance with the existing deal, which they're clearly not right now, and the Europeans had more to say about that this week, the violations that Iran is is undertaking. He hinted that they would have to stop the production and testing of ballistic missiles, which they did some more of this week, and that they would have to stop some of the nefarious activity. And he pledged to one senator that Israel would be consulted closely on the talks that uh, would be held and Saudi Arabia and others that object to the deal. So, as I think I've said before, we could expect them to want to rejoin it, and John Kerry being appointed to the team is another indication of that, since that was one of his main, quote, achievements during his time as Secretary of State, that they would want to go in that direction. But it looks like they will go slowly, and Iran issued a statement welcoming a return to talks, but stating they would not agree to such unless U.S. sanctions were completely lifted at the start of it. Well, that's uh, unlikely to pass the Senate. Again, it's not just the White House, Jimmy. The Senate has to sign on on this, or at least that's what they're demanding. Obama, President Obama, didn't actually do that, but that's what they're demanding, and it's the 50-50 split. So, We'll see about that, but it looks like there will be some sort of negotiations attempted. Meantime, though, the sounds coming elsewhere from Iran don't presage that this is really going to succeed. They are so close, the Israelis believe, to having nuclear weapons-grade uranium now that they probably won't turn back. David, you and I often talk about Israeli airstrikes on, in particular, Iranian targets in Syria. However, I understand Russia is saying to Israel, hey, stop the bombing of Iranian targets in Syria. We'll take care of it for you. Do you think Israel is going to be willing to step aside and allow Russia to take care of the Iranian revolutionary guards that located there in Syria? Well, Jimmy, actually, there is another reported Israeli airstrike on Thursday evening in the city of Hama in the north. The Russians have made clear that they don't want to just be notified, as Israel's been doing, just before they launch these strikes, Israel doing that so that they don't accidentally clash with Russian aircraft or Russian forces in the area, but that they want to see these strikes stopped, that they want to see Syria uh, end as being a proxy war front for Iran and Israel. Prime Minister Netanyahu answered back, well, fine, but... That would mean Iran has to get out of Syria, stop building bases, stop operating from there, get its proxy Lebanese Hezbollah forces out of there as well. So um, it looks like the Russians would have a tough negotiation there. And again, Jimmy, if that happened, if Iran were forced out of all of Syria, then the Israelis would be happy enough to stop the airstrikes. They really don't like this action in the sense that it raises tensions and there can be accidents and it's killing some Syrian soldiers in some of the strikes and others that uh, just raises tensions between Israel and Syria. So that's Israel's side of it. We'll see if the Russians really get into negotiating that so far. They haven't really indicated that they're willing to put that much pressure on Iran. And uh, 
maybe not even on Israel, because they are still allied with both countries. I would have to say, knowing the heartbeat of the Israeli leadership, they're not going to allow Russia and or the United States to tell them what they have to do. We'll have to stand by and see how this develops. The Israeli elections upcoming in about three months in the month of March, and there is a statement coming out from the rumors that you hear politically in Israel that Israel's next election may be determined by the religious right, those religious parties on the right side of the political spectrum there in Israel. What are your thoughts? Well, they've been a key element in forming quite a few governments over the many years I've been covering the news in Israel, so it wouldn't be unprecedented if that were the case again. They are pretty clearly, solidly standing with Benjamin Netanyahu, even though uh, some of his rivals are further to the right. There's a new settler party being formed. We're hearing that some of them may go for, but they know that the leaders of any of the right-wing parties they would support would go into a Netanyahu government, apart from Lieberman's Israel Beitenu. Israel is our home right-wing party, but that man is very irreligious, and he doesn't get many Orthodox, certainly ultra-Orthodox votes anyway, so they will probably be a key element once again in seeing who will form the next government. The polls, by the way, Jimmy, showing Netanyahu rising again in power. The New Hope Party that was just set up by Gidon Saar just a couple months ago, not even that, is losing ground right away, even before it runs and gets into the parliament. So, Uh, It looks, again, like Netanyahu will maintain his role as prime minister and that those um, religious parties will be key elements in it. Well, stay on top of that story because the elections are very much of a kind of a sports-like activity in the state of Israel. It's always good to watch. There's never a dull moment in the political arena. There is a report that the Palestinians are thrilled with Joe Biden as the new president. And actually, the report also says the Palestinians waiting and wanting to hear from President Biden. What do they want to hear about? Well, again, these Senate confirmation hearings during the week showed that there will be a return, as I've been talking about predicting, to the standard Democratic Party view of the Arab-Israeli conflict, meaning opposing settlement building, uh, keeping all of the status quo, and supporting the Palestinians financially, talk of reopening their, as it were, embassy in Washington, and the Palestinians especially interested in getting some money. But the money has to be approved again by the Congress. It's not just uh, the White House that decrees that. In fact, the White House can say whatever it wants about the money side of it. That has to be approved by the purse string holders in the Congress. So there will still be a lot of opposition to that as the policies of the Palestinians still very anti-Israel, the statements coming out. Abbas also announced that there would be presidential elections on the Palestinian side. Uh, for the first time in 17 years, and the headline in one of the papers in Israel made me laugh. It said, after being elected for his first four-year term and serving for 17, he's now going to new elections. So we'll see how that sets up. But uh, making some anti-Hamas statements this week, the PLO did, 
and Hamas responding in kind. So there's a lot of animosity still there. And whether Palestinian elections scheduled for May and June, first parliamentary elections, I believe, and then presidential elections, whether they actually even are held remains to be seen. They haven't been, as I said, for 17 years now. 17 years. That's a long time to expand a four-year term in office. Well, that's the way it is in the Palestinian community. David Dolan, the man who covers the area of the world, the region, the Middle Eastern region, which is key to understanding Bible prophecy. We always appreciate David's Middle East News update. David, thank you so much. We'll talk again next week. Thank you, Jimmy, and God bless. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going then to go to Winky Madat. We're going to talk about water coming out of the Mediterranean, going into Jerusalem to the Gihon River, which is at one time, according to Genesis 2, the center of the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss that story. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. You know, Jerusalem, according to Ezekiel 5, 5, is the center of the earth. When you look at other locations in God's prophetic word, where it refers to the city of Jerusalem, you'll see it's the location where God has selected to dwell among his people forever. That's Psalm 132. And the location where Jesus will return to build his temple and rule and reign from that temple forever. That's Zechariah chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. May I suggest you might want to get a copy of my five-hour audio series entitled simply Jerusalem. Go to my website, prophecytoday.com. Go to the Prophecy Bookstore and make your purchase of my five-hour audio series entitled Jerusalem. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung, and welcome back to Prophecy Today. We move into the second half hour. Remember, I ask for 90 minutes. If you'll give me that, I'll give you the world with our broadcast partners looking at current events in light of a biblical prophecy. We're going to Winky Madad right now. He lives in the center part of the state of Israel in a very historic biblical location, Shiloh, the location where Joshua brought the children of Israel, put up a tabernacle, had the Ark of the Covenant in the holy place in the tabernacle. That was for 350 years the center of all of Jewish activities in the promised land that God had given to them. Well, that's a center of controversy. We understand that as the new president has come in to his place there at the White House, somebody in his administration decided they wanted to change the information as it relates to the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem. So it said it's now the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem for Israel, for the Palestinians, and for the Gaza Strip. (laughs) Not too long after somewhat of a rebellion, I guess, from those who are much concerned about what you say about Israel, that was overturned, and I guess it's right back the way it was and has been for years. Winky, looks like that the Biden administration is going to have a different relationship with the Jewish state of Israel. And I gave that example there 
But I wanted to ask you, as a member of the body politic of the Jewish state, to give us your observations. First of all, how is Israel going to greet Joe Biden as the new president? Well, Jimmy, Israel has greeted Mr. Biden already. I think both the president, Ruvain Ruby Rivlin, and the prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, have sent their uh, greetings and hopes for his success, stressing, and this is the major point, that Israel and America, since 1948, have always been partners, no matter if there were ups or downs. And this is not only because of the traditional favorable attitude of the United States. I think it was first incorporated in a 1922, in other words, almost 99 years now, uh, resolution of Congress looking with favor on the establishment of a Jewish national home in Palestine. So this has been a nonpartisan issue that America has looked upon for its ethical, moral, and I think even religious basis that Jews should return to the land of Israel. Of course, we've had problems with this president or that president, that policy or this policy. There have been Republicans and Democrats in power in the United States. There have been the Kudniks and Laborites in the power in Israel. But I think the overwhelming majority of the relationships, whether they're scientific, social, economic, environmental, etc., override all the political issues. Of course, on major issues of Israel's security, military needs, and confronting, for a short word, (laughs) Arab terror or violence, these are issues which sometimes we argue about, but we usually come to some sort of modus vivendi, some way, way of getting around it, and I hope that will be the situation with the Biden administration, despite certain of the problems I think we've talked about even last week. And as the Jewish people in Israel greet the new president of the United States, Joe Biden, they in some ways are saluting the former president, giving him a thank you for all that he did for them. I'm talking, of course, about Donald Trump. The fact is that they're naming cities after him. He was responsible for making Jerusalem the political capital, moving the embassy to Jerusalem, the peace plan with the Arab nations. So there is something for the Israelis to salute as it relates to the outgoing president, isn't there? Israel maintains contacts with all members of the government, whether in or out as well as, of course, all the senators and the congressmen. This is the way nations do business. I don't think Greece, England, or France do it any better or differently, I would say. I I think definitely we do it a lot better. But in the essence of relationships between nations, this is what is done. Uh, I can also tell you, Jimmy, the United States also does very good work here in Israel, both politically and otherwise, so that there are two sides to that coin. Of course, the expression of gratitude, I would say, for the Trump administration, which extends to Mike Pence, to Mike Pompeo, Nikki Haley, and of course the Ambassador David Friedman, was honest, genuine, and effusive. Because, as you said, Jerusalem is recognized, the embassy is there, Golan Heights. The element of his Peace for Prosperity plan, which 
recognized possible Israeli sovereignty over parts of Judea and Samaria, and I won't get into the details, was also uh, amazing and very, very well thought of, as well as the Abrahamic Accords. So we will be maintaining contact with all these people, whether they're out of office, and with the Biden administration in office, whether they're pro or, shall we say, lukewarm to certain of Israel's interests. And in this instance, of course, I'll point only one direction, Iran. And time will tell how those relationships continue on or, you know, they curtail the relationship or whatever is going to happen. We'll be talking with Winky Madad, of course, to stay on top of that throughout this next year and basically the four-year administration of Joe Biden, should it be that long. Well, Winky, last evening I was reading in my quiet time, that's a time when I read the Word of God and have a season of prayer. I was in Second Kings reading about Hezekiah and the tunnel that he was able to build a very great engineering accomplishment which was very practical as well, a project that would bring water into the capital of the Jewish state at that time into Jerusalem. There is a project now that's going on. They're about to finish. Can you tell us about that water project and how it is very connected to the Hezekiah Tunnel Project as well? Well, Jimmy, if I could also give an additional spin researching and reviewing the issue of water in Jerusalem, of course, confirms the ancient Israelite and Jewish presence in the city for well over 3,000 years, because all the elements that have preceded not only this century's works in getting water to Jerusalem, but many centuries previously. Jerusalem has always had a water problem, because anybody who's visited Jerusalem knows it's on a hill, in fact, several hills, and it's on the very edge of the desert, and no matter how much water comes down, you look around, there's no river. We have the Jordan River, and we have a few other streams in the area of Tel Aviv, like the Alexander Stream or the Sea of Galilee, but Jerusalem is high and dry, shall we say. So there's always been an historical problem about getting water to Jerusalem, whether it was storage in cisterns, or Hezekiah's tunnel at the Gihon Spring that brought it from just outside the city walls inside the city walls. And anybody who goes through the Bible knows that there were battles over that. Yoav and, and other people who tried to break in or tried to defend it. Then we move on to the Hasmoneans, who actually developed, you know, we have a place called Solomon's Pools. I don't want to uh, disturb anybody, but they have very little relationship to the King Solomon and everything to do with the Hasmoneans, who built waterways and water carriers, which also the Romans improved upon. And then the Turks, and then the British, and they began pumping stations. So if you go to the city of Jerusalem's history with the water, you can find out so many different layers. And this latest attempt to assure Jerusalemites and Jerusalem get water uh, enough for when we have droughts is very important. And hopefully one day when the temple sooner than later is rebuilt, we'll be needing a lot of water for all the various sacrifices and cleansings and washings that go on at that time. 
Very interesting that indeed, similar to Hezekiah's tunnel, the Israelis today had to build a tunnel through some of those mountains you were talking about that do indeed surround the city of Jerusalem. And so that was a very similar engineering feat that they were able to do over the last nine years, just about completed. And that water, interestingly, again, you were talking about Hezekiah's tunnel feeding into the Gihon Springs. This new tunnel will do something very similar, bringing water into the Gihon, which is mentioned in the Bible. Over there in Genesis chapter 2, where it talks about the river, the Gihon, by the way, is one of those four, but only one in the city of Jerusalem, in the Garden of Eden at that time. And of course, uh, many Jews and the Muslim world as well, believing uh, that the center indeed, of the Garden of Eden was there at the Gihon Springs. So, very interesting conversation we're able to have with Winky Madad. Winky, I thank you so much for being available. You always give us the great history, bringing us through the centuries, 3,000 years of history. It's very important as we think about, especially this project, this water project. People need water, and that's a major component of the needs of all those in the Middle East. So it's a very important commodity that everybody wants to have. Thank you, Winky. I appreciate it so much. We'll have another conversation down the road. Jimmy, once again, thank you very much for having me on the program, and goodbye to you and our listeners. Winky Madad with great information. First of all, thanks from the body politic of Israel to Donald Trump for all that he did for the Jewish state. And then the conversation about water, desalinated water coming from the Mediterranean to the Gihon River, the center of the Garden of Eden. Great, great conversation. Well, right now we're going to change regions of the world. We're going to the European Union. The European Union, we do believe here at Prophecy Today, could well be the infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire. I have a broadcast partner named John Rood, who has lived in Brussels, Belgium for over 30 years. He agrees with me, and so we are at a base where we can move forward and report the political activities of the European Union in light of the activities that the Bible calls for, the prophetic truth in God's Word as it relates to these member states in the European Union. And with that in mind, John, I understand the very first foreign visit that Joe Biden, the new president, is going to make will be to the United Kingdom, where, and here's the part of the headline I don't understand, to plot the destiny of the world, and he's going to do that with Boris Johnson. Do you have any idea what it means, the destiny of the world and the plot they're putting together? Can you explain that at all? There's actually a story that you're referring to. It's in the Daily Telegraph, the U.K. uh, conservative newspaper. And it's a source that's just identified as a close friend of Mr. Biden. He said, quote, that Joe's view will be that they'll have the destiny of the world on their shoulders, so he'll want to overcome any political differences. Speaking about the... uh, first international trip of President Biden to meet Boris Johnson in the U.K. They've had conflicting roles. President Biden has openly been against Brexit, 
and there are differences there. And in fact, I I think the most interesting thing in this story, if there can be even more, is that the uh, Biden administration is expected to announce a declaration of support for the European Union. So he's really making that official, and so the U.S. is putting its goals behind the European Union objectives. Very, very interesting development there. Thanks for updating us on the story, John. Well, there's going to be another move that Joe Biden will make, and that is to renew, I think that would be the term that he would use, uh, the Iranian nuclear deal from his former boss, President Obama, who put that together a couple of years ago. But uh, the European Union is much concerned, the powers there are concerned, they stuck with Iran when the United States withdrew from the deal. But now they're getting very, very much concerned in urging Tehran to stop working and breaking all the statements of that previous deal. Update us on that. Iran has been testing the USA and the EU resolve for several weeks. And so it's a matter of timing right now. And it's done purposefully because of the new U.S. administration coming in. The European Union's been objecting about the concentration of uranium that Iran has has put, and this is the type of thing that can be modified for weapons, and so there's a great concern. Iran signed what we call the Iran nuclear deal uh, with Germany, France, Britain, China, Russia, the United States in 2015. We were taken out of that, and the EU is strongly urging the European Union to keep the deal. But Iran said way back uh, when the U.S. went out of the deal in 2018 that the deal was no longer valid. So is there even an Iran nuclear deal for President Biden to rejoin? This is very serious, and this is the number one major threat for peace in the Middle East. Absolutely. And speaking of the Middle East, let me conclude with this particular story. Britain is seriously concerned, they are saying, about Israel's statement they're going to construct some more homes in the Jewish settlement area of Judea and Samaria. Biden probably falling along the same line with the Brits as well on this. What do you know? Well, one of the biggest reasons for Brexit was that the story was the United Kingdom would be able to make their own decisions independent of the European Union. But Britain has followed the European Union condemnation of Israel's construction plans of several hundred residential units in Samaria. Britain just followed and went along with the European Union's condemnation. So it's the same party line that it's been saying that the settlements are illegal under international law, and this risks the possibility of the two-state solution. So... um, It's disappointing to see that the U.K., even though now they have the independence from the foreign policy of the EU, uh, followed them in this instance. That's the European Union update that John Rood gives us. We look at the political because it is setting the stage for the prophetic to be fulfilled. Always a great report. Need to hear it each and every week, John. Thank you so very much. Well, thank you for our opportunity to share. Well, we're going to bring a broadcast partner to the table right now. He is becoming somewhat of a regular 
here as a broadcast partner on Prophecy Today. Sam Rohr is his name. He is the president of the American Pastors Network, also has a television and radio program, Stand in the Gap Today, and he is the host of that program, heard across the nation and seen across the nation as well. Sam, we have just witnessed the idea of a peaceful transition from one president to another. Now, for some, that may be a real problem, but in reality, that is good news, is it not? Well, Jimmy, it is good news. It's good news that there were no riots on the street, that there has not been bloodshed associated with this transition. So, yes, absolutely. But at the same time, we all know that there were a lot of improprieties and allegations about what happened, and that was not a resolved issue, still is not resolved even right now, but it did not lead to any kind of bloodshed. So to that extent, there was a peaceful transfer of power, and for that is something that we can be glad. Let me ask you, we saw quite a visual in Washington, D.C. during the time of inauguration of the 46th president, Joe Biden. But I wonder, what are your thoughts, Sam? Did the military and the barricades that surrounded most of the Capitol building and a lot of Washington, D.C., did that hamper the day anyway? Well, I think it did, particularly from the standpoint of a visual image communicated to the world. And I think in regard to that, it kind of gets to the idea of why were they all there? Did they prevent something that uh, did not happen and that didn't happen because they were there and that's why we don't know about it? Or were they there playing into a, a much larger degree of optics? And the reason I say that is that, uh, Jimmy, we've talked about it a lot. We are in days of enormous deception. We know that the media, the communications, represent a lot of disinformation. There are a lot of intentional lies that are out there. There are distortions of truth. There's portions of truth. To me, it reminds me very much of the, of the days before the end days that Christ talked about, days of deception. And in that regard, those who were, for instance, went to D.C. on January the 6th, well over a million people, probably more than has ever been there gathered, to celebrate and to support uh, President Trump at that point, that that event, and I know many people were there, and probably many of those listening to the program perhaps were there, families, moms and dads and children, grandmoms and granddads, and a lot of flags waving and red, white, and blue. They went there to support freedom in America, but something tragic happened in that event. A very small group of people that we know now were actually allowed into the Capitol by police uh, who let them in. They didn't break their way in. They were actually allowed in and escorted in. But yet the media took and turned that to say it was an act of insurrection. They laid it at the feet of the president. There were pictures of breaking and entering, and it made it look to the rest of the world like the United States was no different than the, any of the other third world countries, and the communication, the optics, the optics of this transition in power, to me, demonically made to make the good patriots, peace-loving, the kind that when they go and they leave, the grounds are clear and clean there in the D.C., to make them look like they actually were the terrorists, and the terrorists that were there, the Antifa people who were there in the ground, weren't even really brought into the picture. To me, it was a graphic 
display of, again, deception on a grand scale. The guard and all that were there were brought there to demonstrate and to show to the world that, uh, see, the United States is an armed camp, and these patriot people who like President Trump, as an example, they're troublemakers, and now we have an administration who's going to come in and unify this divided nation. There were a lot of optics intentionally set, I believe, for the influence of the image of the United States worldwide. I don't know if you were able, Sam, to watch the inaugural speech made by Joe Biden. My reason for the question is, did it sound like a message to the United States of unifying or dividing? What were your thoughts? Well, I did not watch the entire address, so I cannot say I watched the entire thing. I did catch clips of it, and I watched part of it. Let's put it this way. He used a lot of the right words, unifying, and I'm going to be the president of all, and even those who didn't vote for me. Those are exactly the right words to say, because to have not said that would have been extraordinarily improper. But, you know, now, did he mean that? Well, it's going to be depend on what it means by unifying. I think on the program, or the most recent Stand on the Gap Today program that you and I were on, I believe, we talked about the fact that unity is what actually can only happen when there's a unity around the truth, and the truth being the truth of God and God's Word. Beyond that, there can be an agreement to a cause, but that's not unity. So when the the new president begins to unfold all of the executive orders of President Trump and to now reenact abortion policies across the world, just did that, rejoin the World Health Organization and all that means and a commitment to bring the world into a concerted global health pact or whatever he was talking about, all of those things may be unifying, but you have to clarify, unifying to whom? It may be unifying to a global government, but I don't find it at all remotely close to unifying in the true sense around truth, the Word of God, and God as truth. Sam, I saw statistics that said that 78% of evangelicals voted for Donald Trump. Now, having said that, should Christians be concerned about this new administration and what lies in the future in the next four years as it relates to the Christian community? Well, Jimmy, I think that is a great question, and I would say, should they be alert? They absolutely should. My guess is a great majority of them already are alert. It doesn't take anyone who has any ears to hear or eyes to see who can already see the marked change, the direct turnabout in policies, even from the standpoint of the prayer at the inaugural prayer. The individual prayed to the unifying faith of the world or whatever, uh, but it certainly wasn't to the God of heaven or in Jesus' name. Again, it fits right into some new global religion, this unified faith concept. So I think anyone who voted for the president had made their choice clear on a lot of reasons. They do need to be alert, and they do need to be watching, but they already know a substantial turn has already occurred. Sam, I know you're not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, and I say that tongue-in-cheek. But please give me your opinion. Will it be a bipartisan approach to governing the people or only one-sided in the next four years? Well, I think, again, that's a good question. Bipartisan, I define it, I guess, this way. Bipartisan 
often means of both parties, Democrat and Republican. I think one thing for sure, the Democrat majority led by a Democrat uh, President Biden, but also with some very clear Republican leaders, particularly in the Senate. Mitch McConnell, now the minority leader, more or less, already made a strident departure from the president in the last few days. Fellows like Mitt Romney and others, they've already departed. So I think you are going to see some Republicans join the Democrats. But I'm going to say it's going to be not bipartisan. It's going to be very, very focused in one common ideology. You're going to see the ideology of the left, I would term it that way, of a global mentality, a globalistic thought. That'll be the unifying, if there is such a thing, ideology. It's going to be a very, very focused ideology that's going to be executed aggressively, as we're already seeing, and it will pull every one of the Democrats, but I think it's going to pull quite a number of Republicans, uh, perhaps on the Senate side as well. That is not going to be good for any real kind of partisanship. You're not going to have a strong voice on the Senate side, I don't think, to oppose the direction of, uh, of a President Biden. That's the voice of Sam Rohr. He is the president of the American Pastors Network and host of Stand in the Gap Today, both radio and television. Sam, thank you so very much for your insight. Appreciate it. I'm sure we'll have many more conversations in this upcoming year. Thank you, Jimmy. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, one more broadcast partner. That's David James. Join us as we talk with him after the news and in the next segment. All ahead, right here on Prophecy Today. Hi everybody, Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Welcome to the last half hour of the 90 minutes I requested at the first of the broadcast. In a moment, we'll bring our remaining broadcast partner, David James, to the broadcast table. We're going to be talking about a listener from a country we cannot name. It's in the Middle East. It's an amazing way he found us. I want to remind you that we have a poll question located on my home page. On the left-hand column, if you scroll down, you'll find the question. Here it is. With a peaceful transition of power from President Trump to President Biden, do you believe that we should follow God's directive found in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, to pray first for those in higher authority? that we should pray daily for President Biden? That's the poll question located prophecytoday.com. We now bring to this microphone David James. David and I, with our weekly conversation, focus on an issue or issues that will confront the body of Christ in the near future. We want to give you a biblical and also a prophetic approach to understanding and dealing with these particular issues. So, David, is Mike's side. We're ready to go into our conversation. David, this week, 
I don't think we should start with a question from one of the listeners. Instead, however, I wanted to encourage all of our listeners and supporters of our ministry with how one of our international listeners found our ministry and then got in contact with us. It's quite an amazing story, isn't it? Oh, you're right, Jimmy, and uh, I have to be vague about this because he's in a closed country where Christianity is illegal. So on Monday evening, I received an alert on an app that's used internationally for communication because it's encrypted, but I didn't recognize who it was. And then he asked if I had any PowerPoints to go with the course Eschatological Systems, which I've taught for you with the School of Prophets, and he had a link to that from my website. And I'm always cautious about people I don't know, and especially internationally because of all the scams out there. So I started asking him questions, and here's the story. He's a former Muslim who became a believer in Christ six years ago through watching God TV, which isn't one I would normally recommend, but the Lord can certainly use anything. And he also has Internet access and watches John Ankerberg and saw you on that program. And so he looked you up and found you on DCY and has been watching your videos there. And it was through this that he became aware of our discussions each week. So he looked me up, found the ABI website, got my phone number, and used that to trace me back through that app that I mentioned. And he told me that he had just finished watching my course, God's Plan Through the Ages, and that he takes what he learns about the Bible and teaches his family. And uh, he doesn't know any other Christians and is being persecuted for his faith. So this is quite an amazing story, as you said. It is an amazing story, and praise the Lord. And dear friends, we don't want to tell you necessarily what country he's in, but pray for this believer. He may be one of a few that are able to make contact with the West and in order to learn how to study God's Word. Lift him in prayer as you think about it. Well, another thing, David, I want to mention is the course that you're working on for a school in Africa. Now, I know you've been up to your eyeballs in alligators, and I understand that you've had to videotape a lot of hours this week for this school in Africa. Yeah, that's right. The school I'm doing this for is the National Theological College and Graduate School, which offers accredited undergraduate and graduate and postgraduate courses in several locations in the Middle East and Africa. And some of our regular listeners may remember that I've taught a couple of courses for them already. When I was in Uganda, those were Christology and Soteriology, which is the doctrine of salvation. And also I taught current theological issues. And they had asked me if I could sort of be on call to fill in if a scheduled teacher had to cancel, and they normally schedule their courses and teachers five years out, but they had a cancellation, so they asked me if I could do an introduction to the Bible course and uh, have that ready within just a couple of months. So this is a 32-class course, and they said I could build on my God's Plan Through the Ages course. So I did about four classes on the introductory material, which included talking about the Bible structure and uh, the doctrine of inspiration and revelation in general, as well as a, a short section on Bible study methods. Then I had to expand my 10-class God's Plan Through the Ages course to about 28 hours. Then, because of the lack of Internet and good computers in the African side, someone on staff with 
Word of Life Uganda is downloading those in the syllabus and student notes, and she'll put them on a flash drive and get them to the 40 students scattered around the country so they can start taking the course a week from Monday. And if we cannot go out to the world, we'll use modern-day technology to be able to reach these pastors in Africa that need to understand how to study God's Word and then teach their people. Pray for this situation as well, folks. The man who contacted us, who is listening to our programming and studying from what we have on our website and on our YouTube site, and now this group in Africa as well. Well, David, let's move on to the inauguration of Joe Biden and the change of administrations this week. First thing I wanted to discuss was the predictions that were out there from self-proclaimed prophets who turned out to be wrong about President Trump serving another term. Well, that's right, and it's been very interesting to watch. A couple of days ago, Christianity Today ran an article with the title, Failed Trump Prophecies Offer a Lesson in Humility, and it also had kind of a strange subtitle. Instead of persecuting prophets who have apologized, we might do better to join them. But then the author of that article is charismatic himself. The lead paragraph said this, the failed prophecies of Donald Trump's re-election may have damaged the credibility of the U.S. independent charismatic wing of evangelicalism more than any event since the televangelist scandals of the 1980s. They have led some outsiders to criticize Christianity itself and rightly call us to introspection. Another website, Jimmy, ran an article titled, Charismatics Are at War with Each Other Over Failed Prophecies of Trump Victory. And the article went on to say, a day of reckoning has come for modern-day prophets in the Pentecostal charismatic movement who falsely foretold a victory for President Trump in 2020. One charismatic leader calls it a rebuke from the Lord. And it goes on to say, a major speaker in the movement uh, calls it the largest scale deception I've seen in 49 years of following Jesus. And yet another pastor is blasting parts of the movement as being, quote-unquote, sick. So others have apologized for getting it wrong and have gotten accusations and curses and even death threats. But it's not just the charismatic prophets who got it wrong. Right up to Election Day, QAnon adherents and uh, even many otherwise careful and thoughtful believers were buying into conspiracy theories and reports of something big that was just around the corner. And I just remind our listeners, Jesus in his Olivet Discourse, Matthew chapter 24, in verses 4, 5, 11, and 24, said, Watch out, there will be false teachers in the last days. Well, that last point you brought up about QAnon, I want to continue that and get more deep into that, if you will, how the President Biden taking office might affect those who have been involved in QAnon and what this means going forward. And, of course, with sincere believers who were actually pushing even other theories that the Trump administration somehow was going to pull off a last-minute victory. Just give some insight into that, David. Well, Jimmy, I've been very concerned about this, and some haven't really helped our cause in trying to be voices of reason and, and be balanced and realistic. Uh, Back in the fall, we talked about QAnon and our concerns about how this conspiracy theory saw Donald Trump as uh, our savior from a worldwide cabal, and it's made inroads into the church. 
And I was asked to write an article for Ariel Magazine based upon that discussion that we had, and that article's coming out in the spring in a, in a few weeks. And I recently became aware of another twist in the story, so I contacted the editor and was able to add a paragraph, and here's what I wrote. Another plausible account of Q's origin, as reported by the Federalist, is that it was originally a hoax created as a harmless troll to get people thinking, quickly spun into a mythical persona whose cryptic words developed into a full-fledged conspiratorial worldview for a growing audience. And so they were trying to get a rise. It was a hoax, possibly, to get a rise out of Trump supporters. And then a couple of weeks ago, you and I became aware of a letter by a Republican operative in Nevada who recited QAnon talking points and even called for the vice president to be taken down as a traitor, uh, something that can carry the death penalty. And, and this is a brother in Christ who is, I believe, doing his best and some believers calling for his prosecution. So some troubling things, I would say. Yeah, very troubling. David, let me just kind of change the focus a little bit on the same overall thinking of what we're talking about today. I want to discuss the transition into the Biden administration. And I want you to tell us, what do you think about his inaugural speech? And what are your thoughts to think about all the actions that he took in his first two days in office? Well, as I listened to the speech, I'd say my first impression was he was trying to strike a tone of civility, and that's commendable. But I would say that it was long on generalities and short on any clear direction, and it was a relatively short speech. He did go after white supremacists quite strongly and domestic terrorists, which is legitimate, but he failed to mention Black Lives Matter or anything about the destruction of cities across America by Antifa and its supporters uh, all last summer. And a greater concern were the actions that he took on Wednesday and Thursday, which I think are just the tip of the iceberg and could foreshadow difficult days ahead for believers if other liberal policies are enacted as quickly. There were 30 actions that I counted, and a good number of them being related to executive orders reversing uh, President Trump's policies. He's reengaging the World Health Organization, even though they were complicit with China on the coronavirus. He's rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement, stopping the Keystone Pipeline, which could hurt our economy. He's launched an initiative concerning the racial equity. Equality is about equal opportunity. Equity is about taking from some to give to others to guarantee equal outcomes. So there are too many to discuss today, but what strikes me is that they were largely consistent with the Great Reset we talked about a couple of weeks ago, which is a radical global transformation in the wake of the COVID pandemic. As I introduced this conversation with David James, I talked about the fact that we will want to give you biblical and prophetic scripture that will help us understand how to live in the days, these last days, in this world before Jesus Christ comes. So, and we've talked, David, a lot about 1 Timothy chapter 2 regarding praying for rulers and those in higher authority. And a part of that passage says to give thanks for all men. Now, that's a pretty tough statement. How can believers do that for those they strongly disagree with? How do we continue to think and act biblically? 
Well, that's a great question, Jimmy, and it actually came up in a Facebook discussion I was in just this morning, and some people were saying they just weren't, even believers saying they weren't going to thank God for President Biden. It's a tough issue, but I think one thing we can thank God for President Biden about is that there's been a peaceful transfer of power so far. Second, he is calling for stability and compassion, and that's something to be thankful for at the moment. And if things get more difficult for believers, then that just means more opportunities to follow Jesus' word, who said to love your enemies and to pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. So it's an opportunity for us to shine as believers. Paul the Apostle not only gave First Timothy chapter 2 to Timothy to give to us, but he also said in Thessalonians, Give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus the Lord. Now, if you want to be in God's will, give thanks, as First Timothy 2 exhorts us to do. David, I thought this was a, a very interesting and very profitable conversation. We tried to give some insight along the way, and we pray that it will be able to assist the born-again believers especially to move into the future. Thank you so much for your hard work and research. We'll do it again next week with another issue. Thanks, Jimmy. Great to be with you again. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'll open the Bible. We'll take a look at the book, putting all the reports from the broadcast partners together and seeing what God's prophetic perspective would be on the issues discussed. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Have you ever wanted to know more about God's plan for the future? Have you ever tried to understand prophetic passages in God's Word, like, say, the book of Revelation, and been frustrated at not being able to figure it out? Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest CD series, Keys for Unlocking God's Plan for the Future, will help you gain the ability to understand where to start in your study of prophecy and allow you to read God's Word in a new and exciting way. Understanding God's prophetic Word will allow you to live a pure and productive life until Jesus returns for the church. Keys will help you gain the tools you need to understand the end-time events as foretold in God's Word. Dr. DeYoung lays out a systematic approach to Bible prophecy for those who want to know God's plan for the future. Tracks included are A Roadmap Through the End Times, The Jew in Jerusalem, Daniel and the Antichrist, Ezekiel and Messiah's Temple, and Revelation and Babylon. To order your copy of Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's Keys for Unlocking God's Plan for the Future, visit our website at prophecytoday.com. Hey everyone, this is Dave James with the Alliance for Biblical Integrity. You hear me each week discussing current theological issues with Jimmy DeYoung on the Prophecy Today weekend broadcast. We founded the Alliance for Biblical Integrity because we saw a need for an apologetics and discernment ministry that would be an important resource for local churches, schools, and ministry organizations that face ever-changing theological challenges in today's world. I teach many different courses and seminars in the United States and around the world and can tailor the seminars for Sunday schools, Bible studies, and church services, and the courses for weekend conferences of 6 to 10 hours. For more information, you can go to the ABI website at biblicalintegrity.org. That's one word, biblicalintegrity.org, and click on Courses and Seminars on the main menu. You can also contact me personally through the contact page on the ABI website. I look forward to hearing from you. It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. 
on Prophecy Today weekend, as we do each and every week. I went to my six broadcast partners to discuss the issues and current events happening around the world that may well be setting the stage for the prophetic scenario that is found in God's Word and it to be fulfilled. It is amazing to me as I talk with my broadcast partners to see what they are reporting looks as if it is a page out of Bible prophecy. I want to give you my prophetic perspective on these reports. I'll do that in a moment. But first, if you had to miss any of the reports, please go to my website, prophecytoday.com, and then go to Prophecy Today Radio Network. You'll be able to listen to any and or all of the reports. Please pass along the link for PTRN to your family and friends so that they can stay up to date on current events and how they fit into biblical prophecy. Right now, though, let me take a moment to give you my prophetic perspective on the events reported by our broadcast partners. Ken Timmerman, who is always trying to catch an airplane someplace, but we catch up with him to get his analysis of geopolitical events happening around the world. We talked with Ken about the fact that Syria is telling the new president, President Biden, in their first message to the new president to withdraw United States troops and quit stealing their oil. Remember, Syria is the first nation in the alignment of nations that will make a move to attack and destroy the Jewish state. That's Daniel chapter 11 and verse 40. In addition to that, as you look at that group of aligned nations to try to destroy Israel, you'll see Russia, Iran, and Lebanon, along with Syria, are a part of that coalition of nations. Dear friend, that stage is set right there at Israel's northern border in Syria. David Dolan gives us his Middle East News update, a key report for all of us who are students of Bible prophecy. And with David, we looked at what Russia is telling Israel to stop bombing Iranian targets in Syria. And then Russia said they will take care of Iran in Syria. You know, in that alignment of nations, Ezekiel 38, Psalm 83, and Daniel chapter 11, Russia is the leader, Ezekiel 38 too, and Russia seems to be exhorting that leadership role right now there in Syria. Israel, however, will not fall in line for that alignment to destroy them. The Lord will intercede and protect his chosen people. Winky Madad, a favorite of our broadcast partners, came to the table to talk about a water project to refill the Gihon River in Jerusalem, the river that is mentioned in Scripture to be in the center of the Garden of Eden. This Israeli water project has been going on for nine years. They're about to conclude it, which means they will bring desalinated water from the Mediterranean, bring it through the hills, cutting tunnels, 
similar to what Hezekiah did when he cut his tunnel to bring water also to the same location where the water is headed in this Israeli project. By the way, that is the area of the Garden of Eden. Look up Genesis chapter 2 and verse 10. You'll see that there was one river in the garden. It flowed out and became four other rivers. This is an amazing project making preparation for the Messiah to be able to rule and reign from the Garden of Eden in Jerusalem. John Root is the man who covers the European Union. He talked to us about European Union states telling Iran to follow the rules of the Obama-Iranian nuclear deal. Remember, after America withdrew from the Obama-Iranian nuclear deal, the European Union stayed in and tried to work together with Iran. However, now the European Union is very much concerned about Iran's movements toward development of a nuclear weapon of mass destruction. Remember, Ezekiel 38.5 says that Iran is a major player in the end times, and when you think about the European Union, Daniel 7.7 says that the infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire will be the European Union today. This whole entire prophetic scenario coming much better into focus. Then I had a conversation with the president of the American Pastors Network, And we talked about the world able to witness a peaceful transition of power here in America. But then I asked the question, what next? Well, what next is indeed the big question for the new Biden administration. We know that God ordained Joe Biden as president, Romans 13.1, and we have a responsibility to pray for President Biden. Then the Lord will put into the heart of the president to make decisions that fulfill God's will. That's Revelation chapter 17 and verse 17. We must do our part. David James and I concluded the broadcast with a conversation of how to pray for someone you disagree with. Well, that's very simple. We just do it. Because God said to do it. That's First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Paul also wrote to the Thessalonians to pray without ceasing and to give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. We must obey what God tells us to do because it is his will. One thing I'm sure you can pray for is Joe Biden to make political decisions that will fulfill God's plan for the future. His plan, first of all, is to send Jesus Christ for the rapture. In fact, I would have to say, even so come Lord Jesus. By the way, that rapture can happen at any moment, even today. And having said that, nothing left for me to say except let's keep looking up. Until. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today.